Welcome to Tenant Men. Welcome to Tenant Men. I am your host, Steve, and I am joined by our co-host, Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team moving forward through the film. Kevin is on the blue team traveling in reverse through the movie. Kevin, how are you? Yeah, methodical is right. I actually had... I had a real existential question where I was watching my minute going, have I watched this before? And then I like really had to figure out what, (laughs) where we are in our journey. (laughs) I think uh, every week I'm like, wait, we've done these minutes before about both of them because I, I feel like my, like, yeah, the whole premise of analyzing a movie minute by minute might be the worst idea ever. (laughs) uh and i think that might be the conclusion we come to at the end of this but we're we're too invested into it to give up now uh but and this is this is a genre that i stole from other podcasts this is not i didn't i didn't know i I did not make this this up myself i think the most famous one is there's a star wars minute by minute um review that's very popular Oh, I didn't know. But they're not doing temporal pincer movement. No, I can think of nobody that's traveling backwards through the film. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we are breaking paradigms left and right. Yeah, we signatured that. That's our (laughs) trademark. (laughs) I think we could do it for Inception, too. But maybe that's the only one. (laughs) I kind of want to try it with Inception, actually. (laughs) But maybe just like the dream sequences. There's something we can do for Inception. Yeah, there are times where I like want to watch a movie, but I like don't have the time to commit to like a full movie, and I'll just start Inception from when they go into the final dream. Yeah, like the plane sequence. I start on the plane and I watch it the movie to the end. That's the best part <laughs> of the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's jump right into it. I am starting from, I've misplaced my notes. I am starting from minute 1721 to 1821. Oh, nailed it. Uh, and where, where are you starting from today? I'm at uh, two hours, six minutes, 21 seconds uh, to uh, two hours, seven minutes, uh, 21 seconds. Awesome. I actually, I break my scene today too, which is exciting. I finally <laughs> go to a new location. So I hope, I hope you all are excited too. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into it. So last week we are in that, that lab with the, the lab lady scientist. And, uh, we are in that like giant repository looking room. And he just, uh, the protagonist just invertedly picked up an object with his radiation glove. And he asked the lady scientist, what do you think we're seeing? And then at 1721, we start uh, and this is great, actually. There's a really long, dramatic pause after he asks that question. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's four seconds. I timed it. Yeah. And then she responds with the detritus of a coming war. Detritus. Great word. Had to look it up. Okay. What does it mean? 
I'm staring uh, at it in the script. It means waste or debris. So it's the word, the, the, word the, of the day. Yeah, we're we're staring at the 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 waste of a coming war is what we're looking at. Which is kind of like made me think like this is kind of a fascinating idea that there is a these temporal the, the the future is so rotten with temporal pincer movements that there's just debris floating backwards in time. And this tenant organization is collecting it up and storing it in that huge room in all those drawers. That's right, actually. So after she says that line, uh, the protagonist pauses. He looks at the thing again, and then he looks at the shelf again. And then he's, his eyes start roaming around the whole room like, oh, my God, what is happening? Right. It's like this. He's having a mini existential crisis here because there's a lot of evidence of something that's coming. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of like those before and after views of Ukraine where it shows you like what the city looked like a month ago and then like it swipes and <laughs> you just see like bombed out uh, the, the detritus. Of <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, bombed out build of the, of the war that uh, is coming except in, re in reverse because, in this movie, stuff is floating backwards, uh, showing right. the coming. It's more, it's more temporal here. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's it. So we're we're only in that room for eleven seconds this week. Yep. Now we're in a new scene. So I think we're in Mumbai, seventeen thirty-two. We have this. Uh, we're panning over uh, the city backdrop. Lots of construction in the city. Um, yeah, and then seventeen. Huge jump in location. Yeah, we're uh, gonna do that like, a lot right now. <laughs> by huge, the way. This, yeah, like going from the windmill to the office building. We, we saw each step in that process. Here, it's like, did she like pass him a credit card and a passport with a different name on it? It was probably in the car when he got off. It was in the boat. car. There's a, there's some questionable things about to happen here, right? So hold hold yeah 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 hold some thoughts. Big, there's a big question coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we're we're in the Indian city. We're in Mumbai, 1738. We're walking through a market, and he's opening up a box to a burner phone, and he starts dialing a number. Okay, where do you get the burner phone? Why is it already pre-programmed with someone's <laughs> phone number in it? Like what? What is happening well, here? There's some. He's, he, he's a millennial. He memorized somebody's number. Come on now. Is that he's it? Got, he's he's got he's got he's got a couple of numbers memorized. He doesn't type in a number. He like he pushes he pushes one button and puts it up to his ear. Well, well maybe like. All right, all right. I... <laughs> does the uh, script does the script say otherwise? Um. Did he get lazy? And he's like, I'm not punching in nine numbers here. He dial he dials. <laughs> okay. It says well, he, he dials. It doesn't say he dials several numbers or one number. Um maybe he stars sixty-nine somebody. <laughs> I don't think that makes sense. But it, you know what I'm saying. It's uh, I don't think it's pre-programmed. I think it's supposed to be that he's memorized. All right. Um, well then the next some question sort of is an international number. Who's he calling? But let's get to that. So anyway, yeah. so he turns it on. He makes the call. He throws out the packaging. He's outside the market. So much happens in 
eight seconds right there. We're at 1746. We're outside the market. Someone answers the phone. They say, yep. And protagonist says, we live in a twilight world. And a very, very fast response. No friends at dusk. I was told you left the building. Uh, great, so- great code code talk here. Uh, <laughs> we thought he was dead. <laughs> I love that. Uh, protagonist responds, even the dead need allies. Uh, hmm. specifically, and then who is this? I'm, I'm like, who is this guy? Let's stop okay. here. Let's stop here. Who is this guy? The script says male voice. <laughs> oh, That's okay. it. Well, that answers a lot. S- male voice parenthesis over the phone. Um, that's it. That's all we get about this guy. Um, but the protagonist seems to know exactly who he's talking to. It's not just like somebody in an agency, right? Well, it is. Or maybe I'm reading somebody, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Like maybe there's like um, a special CIA switchboard where if you just dial nine star on a burner phone, it automatically goes to the CIA headquarters. They answer yep. Um, You give him the code phrase. Now, this is guy. This is definitely a guy he knows. I think it's it's a guy in the agency that he knows and trusts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the. That's all we need to know. Yeah, maybe that's it. Okay, fine. Uh, And then he says, "I need an assist in Mumbai. I need to get to Sanjay Singh. Singh. He never leaves his house, and his house is his house. He stumbles a little bit, and then the protagonist is, "Well, yes, it is. I'm looking right at it." And then they they pan up to it, and it's it's you know it's a giant tower. It looks well defended. There's like two floors with like armed guards. We get a close up of one of the armed guards in a little bit. Um, yeah, this is also I just want to point with great like this is where like in Nolan's scripts, especially something like this, the editor, the 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 um and the and the script and the script supervisor and everything need to be so on point because you have to move so quickly from the sky pan of Mumbai to the phone call to looking at the building because this is the like why it's impenetrable. And it has to go right from talking to the guy on the phone and showing the audience this is this is the next obstacle we're going to have to uh, overcome. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. It is. It is well put together. He gets a lot of information out very, very quickly, mm-hmm. and he needs to because his movies are so complex. Uh, anyway, so he says, "I'll see who's on deck." <laughs> And then he finds out very quickly because he immediately follows that up with Bombay Yacht Club in two hours. So that <laughs> presumes that they just have guys on deck in every major city around the world. That's not the mystery here. Of course they do. <laughs> right? But like he says, I'll see who's on deck. And then he responds immediately. Right. There's two a th- hours. I mean, like th- nobody's coming into the city in two hours. So they're just presuming there's a guy who's ready to go. Again, that's not the unbelievable part here. <laughs> I guess military spending budgets. Yeah, okay. But he's, he's, he's like, I'll see who's on deck, and then he he's immediately he immediately has someone right here. There's there's a there's a problem of dialogue in this movie, and it's going to happen a, a lot more soon, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited to point them out because some of them are really bad, and other other people have pointed them out too because it's like embarrassingly bad. But this is a, this is an instance of a of a minor flub, right? Because if you ask me, like, hey, like. Can you get someone to help me? And I respond with, uh, let me see who's on deck. John, John, like, I am, <laughs> like immediately, like you'd be like, oh, wow, you, 
why did you even say I'll see who's on deck? Like you, you knew, you already knew the answer. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I mean? Dialogue flub. There's more. I don't know if it's a flub. I think it's just like I said. It's a product of we got to move really quickly from one fine, thing fine. to you another. know what. I'm going to give you this one. I don't care. Enough. I don't care enough about this one because there's others that are Again, so bad. The movie's not meant to be watched this way. <laughs> no, no, no. There's bad ones. There are I, bad I, ones. I, there, okay. I, okay. Yeah. There are, there are worse things. And, and I can't wait to I point them out. I can't wait. Okay. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Then we jump scene again. This is crazy. This minute we're in three different locations. Uh, yeah. 1808. We're inside the yacht club. This is my kind of place. This looks nice. <laughs> uh, he sits down in a wicker chair. And then at 1817, we have four seconds left in my minute. Neil sits down. Uh, first time we see Neil. Uh, and then he says, it seems you need an introduction to a prominent Mumbai local on short notice. <laughs> Boom. No code words here. Yeah. yeah. End, <laughs> end of minute. Yeah. Yeah, really. No pillow talk at all. Right to it business. Seems, yeah. <laughs> also, a subtle nod that it implies that Neil knows exactly who he's talking to. But that's exactly it. Neil yeah. does know exactly who he's talking to, so he knows he can get away with it. Like, wouldn't? But like, you're not. He's not even faking it. Like, shouldn't the protagonist be like, "Hey, do, you know, buy me dinner first. You know, like, yeah. get me a get me a diet coke first before we. Uh, you just presume to know." This is the first time the protagonist is meeting Neil. This is not the first time Neil is meeting the protagonist. There should be an establishment of trust on the protagonist's uh, side because the protagonist shouldn't just immediately trust somebody who walks up to him, gives him, gives him the plot of the movie because there there's, you'd be trained in counter counter, counter um, terrorism, counter, not terrorism. This is where my mind goes. Everybody's a terrorist. Um, Just like a count, counter spy, counter. I, I can't think of it. Espionage, counter espionage. Where okay, you know. <laughs> That's well, why I should. Every time I'm in an airport, I should act like I'm. I should just be like, so here you need to be an important new Mumbai businessman. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> just go to a guy at the TGI Fridays. <laughs> That's. There's a, it reminds me of an old like Dane Cook joke. If you remember Dane Cook. Uh, He's like uh, from the early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I like to walk up to random people in airports and just tell them don't get on that plane and then walk Uh, away. (laughs) Pretty. uh, I think my joke in my short lived uh, comedy career was uh, going up to people and saying, what's today's date? Like really, really frustratingly. And then they tell you the date and then you go, what year? (laughs) (laughs) And then you just run away when they tell you, or you're like, Oh my God, (laughs) it worked. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that's good. That's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. No, the best rendition of that is in the first Terminator. I think (laughs) (laughs) that's true. Yeah. All right, that's my okay, minute. Let's get into my my minute. Okay, we kind of covered a little bit too much of it. I realized in rewatching my minute for this minute, um, for this for this podcast, is that we talked a lot about this building blowing up and then unblowing unblowing up and then reblowing up. Um, last time I heavily 
followed it from the blue team side, which is more on that side of the minute. Um, in this minute, we get a little bit of Cat and uh, Seder on the boat, and he makes a phone call to bring his son back to the boat, setting up a ticking clock in her timeline because now she's worried about them getting back too early um, before it's time. But then we're back uh, with the protagonist and Ives. Uh, gunfire, gunfire, bang, bang, bang going on. Um, uh, they're exchanging fire with the, the people who are in the top half of the building that is now on the bottom floor, <laughs> or so to speak. The ruined building, it's only the top of the building that the red team sees. And there's a big shootout going on. Um, uh, and uh, they're pinned down and they can't make it to uh, the tunnel that they need to make it to. Not only because they're being pinned down, but um, about what they're about to say. The protagonist says, let's go, we're running out of time. Ives counters, if they see us, it's all for nothing. So this becomes what we've kind of talked about in the past, which is the observation principle of this whole temporal pincer movement is that if you're going to do something, especially something involving the algorithm, you want to have the least amount of observation on it. Because if any information about where the algorithm is at any point in time or any piece of the algorithm at any point in time, that can then travel into the future and can become the subject of its own temporal pincer movement in order for it to switch hands again. Um, but then the, the movie kind of breaks with that simply because it's only the observation principle of what the movie is choosing to show you to. True. Yeah. <laughs> because there's things like we talked about does like, does Volkov step over Neil's body when he's walking in? Is Neil's body already there? Does it manifest somehow after he walks through that door and then locks it? Right. This is the problem with inverted objects, right? Like, and bullets too, right? Like, if, like yeah. in the, I, again, I'm going to go back to the bullet in the beginning of the movie that's apparently lodged into a chair. That bullet must have been there forever. Like when they were building the opera house. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But from the bullets perspective, it was, it just got there, but now it's traveling backwards in time so it's that question of when like it's a chicken or the egg question um it's also a leap of faith too that you just have to buy into to this because it's still it's also just a movie and it's just it makes sense within the camera's frame <laughs> but it doesn't take into account like other people's observations so anyway <laughs> That's the Sus suspension that's the, of belief, people. Suspension, suspension of uh, this, and also ties into the whole movie where it's all going on faith. Like, isn't that that's what the protagonist and Seder kind of debate in that minute that in, the, in those several minutes I covered of that conversation. Right. Well, Neil says it at the end too. That's true. It's a <clears throat> mechanic of faith. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I've just said, uh, if they see us, it's all for nothing. 
Prag says, we need a distraction. Uh, Ives looks over at the leaning ruin of the building top, as the script says. <laughs> and says Don't worry about that. <laughs> I do a terrible Ives impression. <laughs> <laughs> Got a thick accent in this movie. A lot of accent work going on. You look uh, like him a little, though. Oh, yeah. I, I Thank you. Got the, the beard <laughs> going. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, then we get a watch check. It's uh, counting down from uh, five ten to five oh nine. Where it's on Neil's. This is Neil's watch. Uh, we're watching. Um, blue team's pinned down. Uh, Wheeler screams out, "RPG, take out the base on my mark." And she checks her watch. It's five five minutes, four seconds, five minutes, three seconds. Uh, and then we see again. These are not RPGs. These are AT4s, um, anti-tank, um, aimless rockets. Uh, not aimless, uh, guideless rockets. Uh, so blue team is going to take out the base. And this is something I didn't uh, perceive because it's, it's a lot of confusion. So back to the red team. The red team is looking at the top floor of the building with all the soldiers in it. And we talked about this before, how the soldiers, I can't tell if they're inverted. I can't tell their version, their inversion, inversion or version, whatever. Uh, the opposite of it. What's the opposite of inversion? Actually, that's a great question. Let's call it standard. Standard. Oh. <laughs> standard version soldiers and inversions, inverted soldiers. Standardly verted. I can't, we're going to have to work on this. <laughs> I think just standard. Yeah. I I see some people kind of walking backwards, but it looks like they might actually just be like retreating to cover or something. So I can't tell. If, but we know there's multiple people in play or both um, uh, blue team, red teams on the other side too. Uh, so from the red team's perspective, they're looking at the top of the building with all the soldiers in it. On their mark, they wait for the top floor or the bottom floors to reconstruct themselves and all the soldiers in the top of the building go up to the top. And then they blow up the top floor, killing everybody who's now on the top floor and leaving only the base of the building with nobody in it as cover. So I, I, I don't know if I expressed that, that, how much that uh, cover and distraction that provides. So it's not just that the, some crazy shit just happened. It also technically works in clearing the field of all soldiers. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. For the, for the, for the red team, ultimately. For the red team, the blue team's got a whole bunch of uh, stuff to deal with. Uh, right. From their perspective, because right. they are, they are coming up to the bottom half of the building that's empty. And then from their perspective, it drops down and then there's a bunch of freaking soldiers in it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, it's, it, this is the part of this movie and is so confusing because you're cutting back between the perspectives of Neil and the protagonist. I think there's a lot of stuff lost in this, um, in the third act like stuff like this, because until I did it this methodically, I never understood what was going on with these two buildings, why it was blown up in this fashion. I get it now. Um, 
but in comparison to other events we see like in the beginning the opera house we see only one perspective and then in the middle of the movie we see the car chase scene where we're with the red team and then we come back into the same thing with the blue team and i'm not sure which one is more comprehensive which which more and helps you uh comprehend what's going on more yeah I argue the car chasing is the most confusing. <laughs> there, uh, that one's also very confusing. Yeah. We'll, even we'll though you're, that. even though you're going through it one way in one state of mind with the red team, and then you're coming back into it inverted. I think there's there's more open questions with the uh, the end scene. I think there's a, there's a few key open questions with the car chase scene. We'll yeah. Get to that. Especially that, when we talk about observation. <laughs> and yeah. Yes. But also that's a failed temporal pincer on our protagonist side. Right. That's true. Because of the observation uh, portion of this. Um, and then that's it. That's when they say. Um, Ives counts out on my mark and he fires and blows up the building. Um, I think there's a little part in here. I, I did not catch it this time. Ives just before. Uh, telling the guy to fire, he tells the protagonist, it's about to get distracting, which is kind of a, a pretty cheesy <laughs> action line, in my opinion, which it I think, is. I think I'm pretty sure it got cut. There's a lot of jumbled stuff going on, but I didn't hear that. Um, and then that's it. And then I cover in my next minute where the top blows up and they run forward into, in, into the tunnel with um, what we know is Neil driving behind them. Even though Neil is also over on the blue team that just uh, blew up the base. <laughs> All right. Yeah, pretty, there's not even a lot of dialogue going on, just action in that in that minute. I think it's also worth pointing out, which I don't think we have in a couple of weeks, but like we are, we are not in sync still, right? Like the, I think when we started, the show and I was uh, I was covering the <laughs> opera house and you were covering the siege still right we were we were basically like in lockstep from a time perspective because those two things happen at the same time but now I am I'm actually in the future from both <laughs> perspectives oh yeah um just waiting for the chance to come back in time and relive it all again yeah, I th yeah, I think we will relink up eventually. Just thinking about what's going to happen. You have some more slow parts. I have nothing but slow parts until the cheese grater. Oh yeah. Oh, that's not true. Actually, we've got the the bungee scene, but it's still not as exciting as the cheese grater. That's the that's gonna I, be the I, pinnacle I, of the the podcast for me. By the way. Oh yeah, that's a great scene. I use that. <laughs> Was that intentional? <laughs> great scene. Yeah, great, great. Oh, <laughs> hold on. Hello, Twitter. <laughs> My nomination for greatest scene, <laughs> the most grating scene. Yeah, work on it. <laughs> uh, that's it. But we uh, figuring out this building part was a real leap for me, even if it wasn't. That. And walking backwards, thinking of all the things that have greater perspective for me, how Neil unlocks the door, how how he got there and stuff like that uh, has been worth this uh, backwards inversion for me. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you for listening. 
to the Tenant Men podcast. Uh, if you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, review on whatever platform you found us on. And rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of this film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends.